Hey, welcome to TPT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and I have with me today Josh Brown. Josh, how you doing? Doing well, Dan. Happy New Year to you. Good to be back and uh, back on a roll here. Absolutely. Same to you. So are you a New Year's guy, Josh? Um, You know, I, I've never been a huge New Year's guy since I've been in college. We've always had uh, games on New Year's Eve. And, uh, you know, by the time you get back from a game, you know, broadcasting a basketball game, uh, you're a little tired. But I always roll through it. So I guess I'm a, I'm a 1 to 10. I'm like a 5 on the New Year's scale. It's uh, it's always an interesting thing though because this seems like things really do seem fresh in the new year and obviously with TBT we're looking at a lot of great things in 2017. They do, Dan, and actually, kind of on a, uh, a personal note for the new year, I actually got my LinkedIn uh, notification that I'm celebrating a one year anniversary with TBT uh, just a couple of days ago. So that was a nice little uh, new year surprise to get. I can't believe it's been a year. So, uh, you know, looking forward to 2017 should have big things in store with TBT. The, uh, the backlash against social media thinks, I feels like it's really in full swing right now. You know, it just feels like people are kind of checking out on stuff and LinkedIn to me is the pits. That is the worst <laughs> social media network. It combines like all the worst elements and aspects of every one of the networks. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I, I actually am not a big, uh, you know, some people are on it every day. I check it maybe once or twice a month. But yeah, it's always, uh, it, it's kind of been one of the more interesting ones for me just because you kind of mentioned it there. Just, you know, everyone's kind of, it's just a smug place kind of. Everyone's, you know, trying to flaunt. I don't know. I've never been a big fan either, but I guess you got to do what you got to do in the job market nowadays. It's so. amazing. It's like, that is exactly what it is. Um, all right. Well, we've got a great podcast. I think we're going to have a conversation. I knew you had with Jason Caldwell of the prodigal sons team from TBT 2016, right? Yeah, that was a great conversation we had before the new year. You know, the prodigal sons, obviously, uh, if, or if you don't know, you'll learn about it in the interview, a great foundation that they were playing for, really a team with uh, a lot of home roots there in North Carolina. You know, there were a lot of notable North Carolina teams down in that South region, in addition to the Prodigal Sons, but they uh, had a pretty big following. Uh, they, you know, were, you can kind of hear about the anticipation they had leading up to TBT that selection week when they were, uh, you know, full speed ahead trying to get votes and, and make sure they were in. So it was a great conversation with uh, Jason Caldwell. I think you'll all really enjoy it. Yeah, those last couple of days of qualification in the South last year were totally bananas, so I'm looking forward to hearing what Jason has to say. All right, let's get to that interview now, and we'll be right back with after the interview with some updates on TPT, TPTers around the world. Welcome in now, Jason Caldwell, coach of the NC Prodigal Sons, a team competing out of the South Regional in Charlotte just a year ago in TBT 2016. Jason, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Uh, thank, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on on such short notice. And, um, you know, you guys were one of the more interesting teams. Again, the coach of the NC Prodigal Sons in TVT last year. You guys obviously coming from North Carolina. The tournament was in Charlotte. Um, and you, you kind of had an interesting draw, too, in terms of VCU right off the bat. And obviously, um, you know, just in terms of who you guys are playing for. Uh, so a lot to get into you. But first of all, how did you personally just, you know, hear about TVT? Uh, we actually heard it, uh, heard about it through, um, Primetime had played in the previous year and we watched them play, um, in the tournament, saw some of the great teams that were actually in there and we thought that we could be very competitive in the league as well. So we decided to, uh, for, for 2016 was to, the goal was to get in so we could play and compete. And I know, kind of take us through your group a little bit. I know this is a group who you coach often. Um, you know, where do you guys, you know, again, are these all guys who did play with each other year round? I know a lot of them are. Um, and 
you know, do you guys, was, was there any kind of hesitation when you, uh, talked about TBT or was that experience from primetime, you know, telling you guys about it, uh, was everyone kind of all in from the beginning? Um, we were all in from the beginning. Um, so, so we got together uh, a couple of guys on the team, or I say several of them played together, whether it be a high school or college. Um, uh, so there's about mm, three or I think two or three guys that played college together and then another couple guys that played high school together uh, from the team. And we started formulating the team from there. And then, you know, just guys that, um, you know, we grew up around and, and kept playing, you know, played either against, we could have played against them. They, uh, some of them played against each other in high school. So, um, you know, and we formulated a team from there and it, it's just something that we picked up and, uh, we just kept adding and trying to fine tune the roster to get ready for TBT. And the, the product that you saw that we put out was, was what we came together with. Take us through the name NC Prodigal Sons. I know, uh, it's obviously something that you guys hold kind of near and dear to yourself. Yeah. So, um, one of our players, Lauren Ray, his brother actually is the, uh, is the founder of the uh, Prodigal Son in which it started, uh, out of, out of Durham, North Carolina to help uh, underprivileged kids. Uh, and, and so it's something that we, we, we do hold near and dear. We continue to volunteer each year, um, and look for, they, you know, have different events and it's all across the state of North Carolina now, um, that, that things are being done with regards to the Prodigal Son Foundation. So, um, some, something we, you know, we, we hold dear and we wanted to definitely use the name. Um, this, that's the name we play with around the city. And we also want to use the name to kind of get it more attention and, and awareness. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I was certainly something I was reading up on before the tournament. It was great uh, to see you guys play uh, again as the NC Prodigal Sons. It was great to watch. Uh, so when you guys kind of talking about, because I know uh, it was a local kind of event for you in terms of it being in Charlotte. Um, t- take us through a little bit about the uh, recruiting process and in terms of, um, you know, getting your kind of fan base revved up. I mean, I, it, the South was a pretty hard region to get into in terms of fan votes. So uh, kind of take us through um, kind of the two months trying to collect all the fan votes and uh, obviously being a local event you guys were able to turn some people out yeah so it was um <laughs> it was kind of fun man but fun it was fun it, it was fun but it was work um you know to, to reach out to people you know friends family um you know some people that you may not even know just asking them you know for the vote and explaining to them what the tournament is you know without having them you know w- without taking too much of their t- time because you know a lot, a lot of people when, you, when you're doing something like this and you're asking people to vote, you're asking them to really take time out of your day to do something for you that, that you want to get done. And, and, you know, friends and family are very close, close friends and family, you know, they're going to do it. But, you know, sometimes you got to give them that little edge and that little push. So we actually would help, like, we ask somebody for their vote. We would sit there and actually uh, register ourselves. So just to show them that, hey, we're willing to put in the effort to get into the tournament. And we need it, you know, we need we need your vote, but we want you, you know, we want to help you any way we can. It's not just... Hey, um, here's the website. Go vote. No, we walk we walk people through it as well as we would do it for them in order to get them signed up. So it was, you know, it was kind of fun. Absolutely, and uh, I know you guys were pretty. I, if I remember correctly, you guys pretty securely got in. But what was that feeling like? You know, when the bracket came out and you saw you were officially in, uh, you didn't have to worry about the votes and all that anymore. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, leading up to it, agree. That's that's always a refresher feeling to, to <laughs> you know say like. Once the deadline is for voting, you know, you get past that deadline, but you still don't know yet because you're still trying to, you know, try to get in the last little few votes and, and things like that. And it's like, OK, are we in? Are we in? OK, cool. We're in. OK, guys. All right. So, you know, once that's over, then, you know, the, the work, you know, to, to get there 
or the work to get ready for the game, that doesn't stop. That just actually picks up. So the time, the little bit of time, the time and effort that it took for us to kind of get votes, we now had to change our focus and say, okay, we need to put that additional time into the work that we're going to do to play. And that's actually kind of what I wanted to hit on. You guys had um, an advantage that some teams don't have in terms of you're all, you know, primetime has it and a couple of other teams I can think of, but in terms of you're all local guys uh, who mm-hmm. can practice together, what was the, the training regiment or the practice regiment the couple weeks leading up to the tournament? Yeah, we um we kind of, we really like uh you know starting out I think around like February or so well I'll say March I think March we might have started um you know kind of looking into you know trying to add one practice a week or, or something like that and we picked that up uh, and and it was like you know hey guys you know we we in practice let's we gonna go harder we are gonna go home you know so um in practice guys you know got the concept and um, they came out you know put in effort and, and you know what you can that's all you can ask for you know if guys come out. And then put in the effort that they know that they can put in to make, to get better. You know, you only get one shot at this. So, and it's interesting because I was just talking about this, um, yesterday. I was like, you really only get one shot at this tournament, you know, and, 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 and when I say one shot, I mean, you got one game to, to get it done until you got to wait till next year. So you have to definitely put in the work. And then what, what you see in the result, you know, you have to look back and be satisfied and be happy. Like, did I put all my effort in? If you did. Then great, you know whatever the outcome is, you live with it, you know. But yeah, absolutely, and, and you know, kind of uh, along that theme. So you guys, uh, you're practicing, you're getting ready. Then you find out you're going to play uh, the VCU Ram Nation team, a group who made the Final Four when they were in college. A bunch of uh, them played or have played overseas professionally. What's kind of going through your and your team's mind when you find out again you're going to play a team who uh, you know who the core of that group you know made a Final Four together. Interesting enough, we had a couple of guys that played at ECU, so they played against that VCU team. So they were already, it was already kind of, they already had some knowledge of the team. And, and with one of the guys being from Charlotte, Jamie Skeen, um, you know, we, we already, we kind of knew a little bit about his game. Not that you can, you know, you, you can know someone's game, but to actually play against them is, is another thing. So, um, we kind of knew what they were going to come with and they did just that. They came exactly with what we, we knew they would come with. Um, you know, the guys that was going to press, um, you know, once they once we got them down, we knew it was gonna look like, look, guys, they they run a, you know, they're gonna run a trap. So we just gotta maintain and make sure that we, you know, kind of get through a trap, and that trap causes us problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys did. You jumped out to a you know a big lead on them. Uh, you guys certainly mm-hmm. played a, a great game as well. And uh, just talk about to the the experiences TBT. Um, you know, did did it meet up to your expectations? Just the overall experience of uh the, the tournament for you. Um, it actually, it probably, I would say for me, it exceeded my expectations. Actually, I really liked the tournament. Uh, they were well organized. You know, had a lot of things in place. Um, and it was just, you know, kept going, had things scheduled to, to, you know, the games were scheduled with adequate time. Nothing, you know, I think you had a couple of close games. Maybe I, I can't remember any overtimes, but, um, you know, it, it was, it was a well put together league. Um, and, you know, to see the, the people that you had there working in the TBT, they're very, you know, they were, they were knowledgeable, um, to a degree around a lot of things. And so, you know, having just, just the overall presentation of TBT to me was, was very impressive. So it, it's, it's definitely good. And, you know, in terms of your game, you guys had one of the most, uh, 
I mean, I know I was in Charlotte for that regional. That was easily in Charlotte. Maybe in the whole tournament, that game you guys played, one of the best atmospheres. I mean, the championship game, uh, nothing can really beat that, you know, the final right. four weekend. But you guys had, you know, in terms of the regional games, one of the best atmospheres. You know, VCU certainly came up, uh, came out yeah. to show you guys had your fans uh, there as well. What was it like playing in that atmosphere? It was good, man. It was real good. Uh, you know, when, when the lights come on, you know, you kind of, try to tune you tune everything out but you can't get past it right so um the VCU the VCU nation they definitely came out um for that game and and actually I didn't I don't know just to say it, I think when we was back in the locker room and and you know kind of getting ready cuz I had watched primetime earlier that morning and you know and then um and just kind of looking I'm like okay wow there's a lot of people at this game <laughs> <laughs> so um you know, you look up, you kind of look up and you recognize and you start seeing people you, you, uh, know and you kind of familiarize like, okay, well, there's a little bit of a comfort zone. Um, so then it's like, okay, now my mind is focused, changed straight to the game. It's, it's all about, you know, between these lines for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> so, or 36 minutes, um, that we have. But, but yeah, it was, it was a really good atmosphere. It was, it was there. It was definitely intense, um, there. And, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. And again, it was one of, it was, you know, a great game as well. What do you tell the team after a game like that? You guys uh, had a 20 point lead. They, you know, ended up getting a little of their uh, old college magic at the end, but you guys played an outstanding game and I'm sure your guys were pretty uh, upset after that game. What do you tell them after a loss like that? You know, it's tough. Um, there's really nothing. I mean, well, you know, at this point I look at it and say, you know, we're, we're not in college. We're not in high school. So it's not like, you know, you have, um, you know, I almost want to say a little bit of, of young adult life or young adult mind um, when playing this game. But we're all grown. We're all, you know, we all have our different careers that we're doing now um, in our lives. So, you know, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, the only thing you can say is, look, guys, we only got one chance. We did. We went out there. We did what we could. Um, is it a tough loss? Absolutely. Did we walk away from that game kind of really ticked? Ticked off, um, and you know, not really wanting to talk about it to anybody or anything like that. Absolutely. You know, there's guys, you know, on the team that, you know, we just didn't talk. We didn't talk. When it came to TBT, we didn't bring it up. I wouldn't want nobody to talk about it. We don't want to bring it up. That was, that was it. It took us a little while to get over that loss. That was definitely a tough loss, given the fact that we were up 20 points. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. And uh, I know it's only December here, but uh, moving forward, any kind of uh, thoughts for the NC Prodigal Sons moving forward? You guys planning a return trip too early to tell anything you can tell us yet? Um, we're we're playing with the idea um, and we're going to see kind of the I would probably say what first quarter brings uh, next year, 2017, um, just to kind of gauge because, you know, uh, a couple of guys really uh, they, they've kind of expanded their families, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so they had a couple of babies. Um, born, um, really right after TBT. So, uh, it is, it was, you know, there was some, there was some very, um, and, and things are still going. Things are still progressing. Guys are progressing their careers and things like that, but we're still all together, still playing basketball. So, um, we'll see. Uh, as of right now, it's probably a little too early to say, yeah, we're definitely going to, you know, give it a shot. But I think as next year, once we get into first quarter, February, March, you know, we'll, we'll really determine. And, um, you know, start doing, you know, get back on our resume and just go that I say we have to go twice as hard or if not three times as hard to make sure that we don't have the same thing happen again. We go up 20. We stay up 20. 
Absolutely. I certainly hope we see you guys back because a uh, very entertaining and fun team to watch and obviously for a great cause as well. Last question. Did you, I know you guys have a connection with primetime. Um, you know, you're both from uh, the same area. Was there any other team who you enjoyed watching, whether it be uh, in person or on TV and TVT, any team that kind of stood out to you? Um, actually that, um, um, the one team, the Col- I think it was Colorado State. Col- team Colorado, the team that made the, uh, yeah. Championship Col- yeah. Colorado, yeah. They actually, I think they they actually surprised, I think, a lot of people. And I, I know that, you know, sitting back in there saying, well, we know what we can do. And it's, it's one of those things like, same thing with our team, right? So you look at that team and you kind of say, well, you know, they look okay. They look about, you know, they, they're decent. You know, they get going, then, you know, they probably make noise. But you don't, you didn't really, you probably didn't expect them to make as much noise as they did. So it was actually fun, you know, it was fun to watch that team, you know, if, heavily underdog to overseas elite, um, you know, go out there and, and compete. Um, overseas elite is always, I mean, they, they are what they are. They're fun. They're definitely fun to watch. They're definitely competitive. Uh, VCU is kind of bitter, bittersweet watching <laughs> them, if you will. Um, but, but I mean, VCU is, is a tough team. And, and, you know, I think if we saw them, you know, again next year in the first round, I, I don't know if I would, I don't think I would change the way we play them. Um, really, I just think that, you know, we just have to play the trap better. We we did everything else good. You know, it's just playing that trap better. Absolutely. And, uh, again, it went right down to the wire. One of the best, uh, you know, events kind of sports events really in the, in the country at that time, but that night, I mean, nothing could have beat that game that we saw between you guys, Jason. Uh, like I said, I hope we see you guys back. Uh, if not, best of luck with everything. Thank you for coming on a uh, really great chat. And uh, again, we enjoyed watching you play, and thank you for coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, Josh, great interview that you had there with Jason uh, Caldwell from Prodigal Sons. What kind of stood out when you were talking to him? Yeah, Dan, I thought, you know, a lot of things, but one thing in particular was how I've always been kind of interested with the teams where they're not an alumni team or a team of professionals who might all know each other from uh, the same hometown, etc. You know, the NC Prodigal Sons, they have a couple of guys who played professionally for a couple of years and uh, guys who played Division One ball, but, uh, you know, mostly now they're a group of, you know, family guys who, who you, you have a normal job in North Carolina, um, and, and they came together for TBT and their team who they led Ram Nation uh, big in that first half. They were up you know, nearly 20 approaching halftime in that game and what was really a home game for Ram Nation, you know, filling up that whole balcony uh, down in North Carolina. So uh, I, I've always been kind of interested by that. And Jason's take on that was great, kind of the preparation they put into that game and really getting a big start and, and, you know, going into that game with momentum. You know, they worked for, you know, really months on that first game. They didn't know who they'd play, but, um, you know, just practicing together, getting that camaraderie together. And they came out flying in that first game. So it was interesting to hear uh, his take on really how, um, you know, they kind of had an advantage in that aspect. And, you know, the Ram Nation guys were all, you know, they all live in different parts of the country. They're all doing different things. And, um, you know, the Prodigal Sons, they all have local roots and they were able to practice together uh, for, you know, a a couple of months leading up to the tournament and how that benefited them. So that was really interesting. And then uh, just kind of the passion they have for the foundation in general. You know, uh, we see a lot of great... uh, you know, people playing for individual causes or teams playing for a cause in TBT, and they all have a lot of passion for that Prodigal Sons Foundation, which is obviously uh, does great work there in, uh, down in North Carolina. So uh, both of those things were pretty interesting to learn about, and you know, hopefully we see them back uh, in the coming year. 
All right, let's get to some overseas uh, updates. I know, Josh, you've done a lot of work on this, and you've got some great stuff going on that you want to tell us about. Yeah, Danny. I mean, it was the year of overseas elite last year. We have a bunch of guys on the docket this year from them. Uh, and, you know, I, I guess it's to be expected with the two-time TBT champions, everyone doing big things. But um, one you know, piece of interesting news to uh, Jahandri Jefferson, and this kind of highlights maybe the um, you know ups and downs of playing overseas. You know, he's having a very good year, or he was having a very good year over in Italy. He was averaging ten point five points, seven point two rebounds in eleven games, but he actually left the club. Didn't couldn't find too many uh, explanations as to why, but he left his club over in Italy. It was uh, Dolomiti Energia Trento. Uh, and, you know, he, he was playing over in Turkey early, or last year where he had similar, similar numbers to those 10.5 points, uh, 7.2 rebounds. So he actually left that team. So all the best to him. Uh, I'm sure he'll have no problem scooping up a contract somewhere else. And uh, just a, a little note there, you know, staying on that a guy who has appeared on the podcast maybe, you know, three or four times already, but uh, all the, uh, deservedly so DeAndre Kane. Still playing well over in Russia. Uh, BC, Niz- Nizni, Nor, uh, Nagora. <laughs> <those> names. Yeah, <laughs> the always names, fun to try to the get names never out. get old to me. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he had a season high 31 to go along with nine rebounds and a big win over their rival, Zenit earning himself uh, Eurobasket.com Player of the Week. He's averaging 17.6 points, 7.8 rebounds in nine Euro Cup games this year. So a, a guy who uh, was a big you know, player on that overseas elite team, in addition from that 2015 team, he didn't play in 2015. He joined the team in 2016, did work for them, and now doing work overseas. A guy who uh, didn't get too much playing time for overseas elite, Anthony Rappa playing, or Rappa, excuse me, playing well in Italian second lead for Roma Virtus. He's averaging 16.6 points per game. He had a season high 30 and a big win uh, over another Italian club on Monday night. He uh, nailed all three three point attempts he made and he went eight from 11 for the four, dished out five assists. So a guy who uh, I got to talk to a little bit. Uh, over, you know, actually in several of the different regionals, playing well in Italian secondly. Really a, a good guy, uh, he, although he didn't get a ton of time for overseas elite, was a kind of a glue guy on that bench, so good to see him playing well. Uh, Brian Dunstan, a guy who played for uh, Ross Burns in 2015 and 120 Sports last year. Uh, he played over in Florida in his college days. He's playing in Turkey for Andalou FS. He uh, had a big game in an 84-73 rivalry, rivalry win excuse me, the other day to bring his team to 500 on the season. Uh, and he scored 17 in that game. He scored double digits in, la- in all of the three, uh, te- or all the team's last three games. So playing well, the big man from Fordham. And then lastly, Kyle Casey uh, from Skinner's Freight Train. He was one of the Harvard guys playing on that BC alumni team. Uh, they had a couple of them, or a couple non-BC guys. He was one of them. Uh, I actually watched him a lot when he was in college. A very good player. He just signed over in Israel, a league which is flooded with TBT talent. He's going to join, uh, you know, right now a struggling team, Hapol Gilboa Afula. Uh, over in Israel's top league, and he just left Slovenia where he was playing earlier in the year. He averaged 8.8 points and 5.3 rebounds over there. And um, We've mentioned it a couple times, but Israel elite flooded with TBT talent. Khalif Wyatt continuing to lead that league with 21.3 points per game. Uh, Tyshawn Taylor, third in the league, averaging 18.6 points a game, and Gilbert Brown from the Untouchables in ninth there and scoring at 15.7. So Israel elite to watch. Uh, a lot of TBT, TBT guys doing work over there, and uh, Kyle Casey going to look to add to it there. The Skinner's Freight Train 
former Harvard alumni signing over in Israel. That's awesome. That's great stuff. Kyle Casey is a good guy too. And uh, honestly, I think I've probably said this in the podcast before, but when he played in 2015, uh, he was playing with the BG Task Force out in Chicago. <laughs> I seriously thought he was going to pull the rims down uh, out at DePaul uh, with the, some of the dunks that he was having. But really athletic guy and good to see that he's doing stuff uh, great professionally as well. It really led to the uh, reemergence of Harvard basketball and they made the they won the Ivy and made the tournament a couple of times. He was a big part of that team. So uh, he has a, quite the legacy here in Boston as well. Yeah, you know what the thing that's interesting about Harvard basketball, just in the long term, is that their goal as a school was to eliminate tuition. So if they get wow. to that point, so there's no barrier for them to get whoever they want. I mean, so if you had an op- opportunity and you knew you could still make the NBA to go to Duke, Stanford, or Harvard, those are three really hard choices that you have to make now, you know? Right, absolutely. That's I didn't know that about Harvard. That's interesting. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that certainly worked to their favor, uh, you know, athletics-wise. Well, particularly since, you know, they're, the Ivy League bans athletic scholarships per right. se. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I got a couple updates myself, Josh. Yeah, there we go. You want to hear them? All Absolutely. right, listen to this. This one um, comes to us, come to us from Mike Baez, who is the GM of uh, the Southern Hospitality Team. Mike may have a couple of irons in the fire next year on a different setup. Uh, but he tells me that John Roberson, who was their point guard, uh, is playing in France uh, for the second place team in the top division, ES Chalon, which is 12 and 3. He's averaging 16 points and 7.2 assists per game uh, on the same team as Cameron Clark, who was second in points on that team. So it's pretty great um, opportunities over there for those guys playing well in France. Uh, Devontae Gardner, fan favorite from the Golden Eagles alumni team, the Marquette alumni team, a giant guy. Remember him, Josh? Just a big guy. Looked like he could have played left tackle for the Patriots. Yeah, I, when I. I was, you know, there obviously uh, when they were in the final sixteen, and uh, just a, a mammoth of a guy, really dominating force down low. Loved watching him play, but so light on his feet, which was I thought was really impressive. But obviously, he's using those light feet to his advantage over in Japan. He scored thirty points for Niigata Albirex in an eighty-two seventy-six um, loss, actually, to Toyota Alvark. But he's playing really well over there, averaging twenty-two points a game and almost nine rebounds. Uh, Josh Boone, one of my favorites, played in TBT three times with Barstool in the year one, uh, Slam in year two, and then last year he played with the Talladega Knights. Um, I- I'm told that this move is setting social media on fire, Josh. I'm not sure if it's true, but sounds like it is. Uh, Boone signed with Melbourne United in Australian's National Basketball League, which is one of the bigger teams over there in Australia. He had started the season in Turkey and left um, shortly after joining uh, the team over there, but uh, it'll be interesting. He's actually joining Ramon Moore from the Broad, North Broad Street Bullies over at Melbourne United. So that should be an interesting development for Josh. He actually just started a blog too, uh, Josh Boone did, uh, talking about his experiences as a, a professional athlete, you know, basically in the NBA and then traveling all around the world. I'll have to set that up, uh, maybe link to it on the uh, on a post on the website. But really interesting stuff from Josh Boone. His career really has taken him everywhere around the world. And it seems like he has a good time doing it too. Yeah, and uh, just to go back to the social media, because I, I actually follow Josh Boone. Obviously, I have a soft uh, spot for all the, the former uh, Barstool guys, and he uh, was getting NBA guys tweeting at him. And he really uh, seems like a well-respected guy in, in the you know basketball community as a whole. And uh, that move, really, a lot of guys sending him congratulations. So uh, good to see from him. You know, a lot of guys coming out for him, and uh, that's a very interesting. The blog, I'll have to check that out. He's a very articulate guy, so it would be interesting to read. Yeah, the entries that I've read, and I hope he keeps it up, but the entries that I've read seem like the opening passages of a, a really great sort of tell-all type book. So um, really good stuff there from him. And again, I'll try to link to that from the website at some point. Uh, Hakeem Warwick, Beheim's Army, The Block. 
Uh, he has actually signed with Leones de Ponce of the BSN League over in Puerto Rico. And uh, Warwick has been playing really all over the world since he left the NBA as well. And also seems like a guy that really enjoys the travel aspect. You know, he's played in Greece, Australia. Uh, he's played pretty much all over the world and, and really does a great um, great stuff as well in the community there in Philadelphia. But he's moving on to Puerto Rico. Uh, Eric McCollum, absolute stud. His brother had an awesome game earlier this week. I think he scored a career-high 40-plus points. Uh, Eric didn't score a career high because his career high is something like 90 something points, but he did score 53 in a New Year's Day, uh, 51 rather, in a New Year's Day loss to Shandong over in China. Uh, Eric is just continuing to really put up huge numbers over there. He's averaging 36 points a game, six rebounds, almost four assists. So, you know, good work by the two time TBT champion Eric McCollum over there. And then Rodney Green uh, from 20th and Only, which is the LaSalle alumni team. Six foot five swing man. He's actually playing really well down in Argentina. He's averaging close to 19 points a game and five rebounds per game. So he's really doing great. He's the second leading scorer down in Argentina, Rodney Green from the 20th and only team. Uh, quick update I saw on Twitter last night, Josh. Uh, speaking of your barstool guys, Donnie McGrath had been playing with the Long Island Nets of the D League and apparently signed with AEK Athens, according to reports wow. that I read from uh, David Pick, who was usually really good on the international basketball stuff. So interesting to see how that develops. That's a team that is trying to advance in a new um, event that they have over in Europe. That I think you would probably call it maybe the third-tier third, third tier international competition, the uh, Champions League. So it'll be interesting to see how Donnie does over there. He's, I know he's really been playing well with Long Island, so it'll be a great development uh, for him professionally to go back over to Europe and, and do well over there. Um, Josh, let me ask you a couple questions um, about the Barstool fandom. You obviously, for those that don't know the history, started off as a fan. And I think you and I first met over Twitter when you were tweeting at us. You, were, you and your buddy Mikey were the first two in line to get into the 2014 championship game. Yeah, we were. And I actually, I don't know if you remember, Dan, I actually, looking back on it, and this is something I just found the other day that reminded me, I actually made a little pump-up video for them uh, down at my local That's cable right. access station. They had Final <laughs> Cut Pro. I didn't have it on my computer at that point, And I made yeah. a little pump-up video. I was so into it. Uh, I got a retweet from Big Cat. Um, you know, I, I think like 100 people retweeted it. It went, you know, so, uh, semi-viral for just a normal kid making a you know, basketball video. Um, so that, that was great. I think you guys retweeted it. So, uh, yeah, we were the first one in line. Um, and that's really what, what started kind of a, now a three year relationship with, uh, TBT. It was great. You know, it really one of the best nights. It was a June night, I believe, one of the best nights of, uh, summer for Mikey and I. We came out, we were in, uh, spent the day in Boston. And uh, came to the game, and yeah, you met us outside. You gave us a, a T-shirt uh, before the game. We, we were, you know, sitting front row. I have a bunch of pictures from that with Matty Walsh, uh, Dave Portnoy, Big Cat, uh, a bunch of the guys on that team. So that was great. And then that kind of spiraled into creating a team. Lat or two years ago with the Jabroni Project, where I teamed up with Eric Fisher who was with Train to Go this year. We had Tyshawn Taylor. That's why I talk about him a lot. He was on our team. Uh, <laughs> and a couple of other guys uh, who actually played in TBT. Adrian Henning, who played for uh, Kings of the South. 
And uh, I, he might have been the only other one who played last year, but a couple of guys who are interested in jumping back in, Will Graves, who played for UNC and is playing in Israel now, he wants to jump back in with a UNC alumni team. And then, uh, you know, last year I began my internship with TBT. Like I said, I got the LinkedIn notification the other day. So, yeah, that really started a, a great relationship with TBT. And uh, one of the best decisions I made, actually, was going to that game because it began, uh, you know, what's been a, a long and uh, prosperous uh, relationship with you guys. Well, I was thinking about it in, in the context of all the different roles that we have pictures of you in. You know, like we, we've got pictures of you as a fan sitting in the front row behind the bar stool bench. We've got pictures <laughs> of you in a uniform with the Jabroni Project, and we've got pictures of you in TBT gear doing social media stuff last year. So it's really been great. But I'm kind of curious, like Josh, as a guy that has followed TBT from the beginning, like where would you like to see us play games this year? Places maybe that we haven't been before. Have you given any thought to that before? Yeah, it's tough now that I've been on the inside a little bit because I, I know how it works uh, on the inside a little bit more. If 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 you told me, you know, we could go anywhere and, you know, business stuff aside and we could play a game anywhere, um, oh, that's tough. I, I'd love to uh, – first of all, I'm very excited for China just because I'm a big Chinese basketball guy. Um, when you talked about Eric McCollum, I actually read the other day, he's, so McCollum's the number two scorer in the league. Jimmer Fredette is the number one scorer in the league. And when they played each other, it was like, you know, the, the 80s Celtics playing the 80s Lakers. It was a huge game over okay. in China. So they, they really take it seriously over there. So very excited for that. Um, if we, if we come back to the USA, um, I, I think, I think, uh, oh, what do you think about Vegas? What do you think about Vegas? Vegas would be great. I, I think, um, I mean, that's just a, 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 the city of entertainment. I think, uh, playing a game there would draw people in. I, I think I've actually been to a college basketball game at Mohegan Sun, kind of that casino atmosphere. And it was actually a great, uh, experience. And, and, you know, Mohegan Sun is no Vegas. So I think it would do very well there. Uh, the atmosphere, uh, you, if you're a GM, I guess I'd be a little bit concerned. You want your players, uh, coming in well rested, but as a, as a fan, that would certainly be a great experience. Um, other than that, I think, uh, playing one thing I've always wanted to see us play, uh, Dan, I know you're a big Disney guy too, at the wide world of sports down in Orlando. Actually, I think yeah, that, would be, good, that would be cool. That would be really cool. I love Disney. Disney's the best. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a big Disney guy too. So I think playing down there, uh, you know, you get a little vacation in, uh, play. That's a great complex. I've watched high school games taking place there. It's a really big arena, really more of a college uh, atmosphere. And I know they've actually played college tournaments down there. So I think that'd be a great uh, place to host TBT. Kind of a fun environment. Goes kind of hand in hand with uh, the fun kind of aspect of TBT. You know what's amazing to me is that the Magic Band technology that they use at Disney World is not in every sports stadium in the country. Yeah. I've never thought of that, but it's certainly be more efficient. Yeah, and, and for, for those that don't know, like they give you in the mail in like a box that you would get from Apple, you get a wristband, and that wristband basically is your wallet. It's everything that you need, and they've totally mastered the art of separating you from your money because you don't even consciously think about what you're doing. But it's your pass to get in. It's your pass to go on rides. It's you know, like I said, it's your wallet. It seems like to me, especially in a scenario like baseball, where you're playing 81 home games and probably, you know, 10 to 20% of your fans are going to every single game. Why not give them that wristband and allow them to do those things that, that you want to know about them anyway? You're tracking them all throughout the park. You're knowing what they're buying when. To me, that would be brilliant. I would love to see some team 
jump on that. And maybe they're already trying to do it, but it'd be a lot of fun to see that happen for sure. Yeah, you know, I actually never thought about it. That's a great idea. We might have a new little side business we could uh, get going, Dan. Yeah, I, it's, I probably, think, it's probably just about a billion, a billion dollars worth of R&D. <laughs> <laughs> go into that, but that's all right. Uh, all right, and again, being a big TBT fan, what's your thought on alumni versus non-alumni teams? Yeah, so I actually, before I began working with TBT, I was actually, I was very, not anti-alumni teams, but I didn't like them. I, I just, uh, maybe because just the, the, I don't want to say the inherent advantage they have playing together, but when I was a GM, obviously, we weren't an alumni team, so I didn't like them. I thought, you know, I want kind of teams like we have, you know, random guys putting teams together. But as I've, uh, and, you know, I was a big Barstool fan, and they weren't an alumni team. They lost to an alumni team. So I was, I guess, inherently biased against alumni teams. But begin after I began working for TBT, just, uh, you know, just the, what they do in terms of bringing the fan bases together, uh, that you can really see them. Um, it, it's, I always think it's interesting where they're a little bit shaky to begin uh, the tournament, and then you can really see that kind of uh, the, the style they played with in college coming back together, that you know chemistry and camaraderie coming back together. I think it's it's really fun to watch, and then you get a team like Always a Brave and VCU alumni teams who are you know underdogs when they were in college, you know, really coming in as, uh, you know, favorites in TVT, playing kind of a different role than they played in college. So I think it's great. I love watching them play. And I think uh, the more alumni teams we get, the, the better. I know I've already, um, you know, people I know who from school who uh, are from different parts of the country, they know I work for TBT. They're always asking me, I have a, a very good friend who I broadcast hockey games with. When's UConn going to get an alumni team? Yeah. Uh, I have a big Duke friend. When's Duke going to get an alumni team? And so people are starting to, I, uh, you know, pretty much every basketball fan knows what TBT is, but even uh, college basketball fans are starting to get engaged, wanting their team to jump in. So I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's interesting, and I do think there's a perception that it's an alumni event from some corners, and the reality is so different. We had 64 teams last year, and only 19 of them were alumni teams. So it's not like every team in the event is an alumni team, but I do think that it seems apparent that the teams that are successful, with the exception of overseas elite. And they're obviously the huge clearing example, but there's some common history between almost all those guys. You know, even Jason Caldwell, who you talked to from the uh, Prodigal Sons, those guys have been playing together for probably 10 years, you know, and you've got all kinds of groups like this, whether maybe they played AAU ball together and they're, they're getting back together. Now, obviously, you know, um, overseas elite is the exception that, that uh, really stands out, but it does seem like there's a lot of common history between most of these teams, whether they're I, I alumni or not. Yeah, I think that's always been the big key, too, because uh, I, I've always thought we had a great balance of alumni to non-alumni. It's never become that an alumni tournament, like like you said, some people fear. Uh, you know, it, it's always been that great mix. We have alumni teams, we have kind of a, a team like you mentioned with the uh, Prodigal Sons, where it's really guys from... A, a common root. Maybe they're not an alumni team. Foe is another example of a team like that. And then you have kind of the um, Eberlin Drives of the world, kind of just a, a collection of guys who came together, some with connections to each other, some with not. So it's always been a great mix. And I always actually think the most fascinating matchups are the alumni team versus the non-alumni team, just because they have to play two real big, you know, different styles. And 
Uh, the championship game at TVT, obviously, like you mentioned, was that Colorado versus overseas elite. So it's always been a great mix. And uh, like you mentioned, even these non-alumni teams, a lot of them have connections. Uh, but they, they, I think the thing with them is they, they have to play a pretty different style. They don't have a system in place they can fall back on. Sometimes they, they play more of, like we saw with Foe, uh, just more of a run-and-gun game where uh, VCU was trying to run their sets that they played in college. So I've always thought if you're a basketball fan, there's no better – there's no better, better basketball to watch because you're watching so many different styles on a game-by-game basis that uh, you really never get bored because there's always something new to watch, and, uh, a new uh, style of basketball, a new crop of players, so it's great. All right. I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up because I was totally stunned to hear this last night, <laughs> and I have to address it. You have recently switched. Maybe it's a New Year's resolution. If it is, it's a terrible one. Uh, but you recently switched to a Mac computer versus a PC. And you had always been a PC guy. It was one of the things that I found most endearing about you. And now uh, you're on Team Mac, and I really could not be more stunned and, frankly, disappointed. Can you please explain yourself? Well, I'll begin it by saying you get a point in your direction because before we got on my microphone, I figured I was looking on my Mac and there was no microphone jack. So I'm actually <laughs> using my PC right now for this interview. So that was a point in your direction. Uh, but going back to why I picked the Mac, uh, I was a PC guy through and through since I think I got my first laptop my sophomore year of high school, freshman year of high school. Um, so for a good eight years now. I've been a PC guy. Um, and, you know, this PC starting to get a little bit worn down, the one I'm using now. So, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I joined Team Mac. I think uh, there, there's not really one thing I can point to other than uh, I, I, you know, everyone I know uses a Mac and it just kind of grows exactly. I think that's exactly my point. Yeah, That's exactly no, my that's point. True. Is that, so, you know, Apple was famous for this commercial where you know, all the automatons were kind of marching in a row and they were all using a PC back in 1985 and Steve Jobs is the coolest guy ever. And then it became this sort of tyranny of the cool where now everybody has to use a Mac and it drives me up the wall. I teach a, a class at, at Tulane and I look around the classroom and literally every single person in the room has got a Mac. And it drives me totally bananas. It's like, are there, is everybody so in lockstep with mentality that they have to use the same product? And I, I really thought you had something different in you, Josh, but you know what? I guess I'm pro- being proven wrong. Well, I, I think a couple of things. I mean, I do. If, if you're a big audio or video guy, there's nothing better than a Mac, the software they give you to edit audio and video. So uh, th- that's a point in the Mac's direction. I will say uh, I do respect that you're staying uh, true to the PC roots. Like you mentioned, everyone has a Mac, so uh, I couldn't hold out, but I do respect that you're holding out. So hopefully I don't what see do you... you next time I see you, you haven't converted to the Mac side because I think... I, I, I will sooner drop all computer use than I will. <laughs> I'll go like, back to like writing, writing everything out by hand, which I think I might be end up doing in 2017 anyway. Um, what do you right-click with? Uh, it, it's different. You don't need to right-click. It just kind of like it's a two-click versus one-click. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that brings up the side menu, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I read our uh, president-elect. He actually doesn't He doesn't use a computer. He does everything by hand. So uh, if you join that, maybe that's a new trend, you know, writing emails by hand and having I someone else type them out for you. Well, actually, I have read that people are getting away from the digital and moving back towards the uh, the analog. So maybe that will be the next thing that I do. All right, Josh, great uh, great stuff as always. Uh, really appreciate your contributions to the TBT podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode. But again, thanks, Josh, and Happy New Year to you. 
Thank you, Dan. Happy New Year, and Happy New Year to everyone who tunes in. We appreciate it. Big things coming in 2017. Oh, I forgot to say, if you uh, like TBT's podcast, leave us a rating and a review. Uh, tell your friends all about it. Spread the podcast around. We're always looking for new people to be interested in not only our podcast, but TBT in general. And we should have some great announcements about TBT 2017 uh, coming up very soon. I appreciate your time, Josh. 